0: Now that the Minnesota Wild and Nashville Predators have been eliminated from the playoffs, what's next for each franchise? We take a look at some of the highlights from the round one playoff series for Nashville and the Wild, and we revisit a particularly notable trade between these two teams by taking a look at the Mikhail Granlin-Kevin Fiala deal and where both teams stand right now as our Locked on Wild and Locked on Predators crossover starts right now your Locked On Wild, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a special crossover episode of Locked On Wild and Locked On Predators, Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making both Locked On Wild and Locked On Predators your first listen each and every day. And just as a reminder, Locked On Wild and Locked On Predators are both free wherever you listen to your podcasts. On today's episode, we take a look at how both the Predators and the Wild fared in round one, with a look at some of the bright spots and some of the not so bright spots. For both teams, and we also look ahead to the offseason. Plus, Kevin Fiala for Mikhail Granlin. How do both teams, how did both teams do in the trade? My name is Seth Topal, host of Locked On Wild. I'm joined by one of the hosts of Locked On Predators, Nick Morgan. Nick, this is the first time we've had a chance to do any sort of crossover collaboration. So uh, glad to have you on. Unfortunately, both of us have uh, had a chance to watch all of round two. Uh, that has uh, transpired so far because the Wild and the Predators both got bounced in round one.
1: Did we make the playoffs? Uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember. Uh, I've I've blocked out everything that happened after the Preds went up 4 nothing on the Arizona Coyotes the last game of the season. So um, I'm blissfully unaware of anything hockey-related that happened to that I assume we're in a great spot right now, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's been fun to watch the the second round, but unfortunately it'd be nice to be part of it. Um, Predators losing to the Avalanche, the Wilds lost to the Blues. One of the things that I was curious about, because he kind of captivated a national audience in Game 2, that of course being uh, Mr. Connor Ingram, who came in after uh, a a lackluster performance by David Riddick in relief of UC Saros, who was injured heading into the postseason, so goalie musical chairs, and you got a rookie goalie who stands on his head and just nearly wills his team to a win. Tell me a little bit about Connor Ingram and where kind of where he came from and how he jumped onto the national stage to uh, to have that sensational. Performance against the
1: Avs. Well, he's been on Preds fans' radars for quite a couple of years now. Uh, back in 2020, before the law or before the COVID stoppage, he was the best goaltender in the AHL by far. Like maybe the best goaltender in the minors that entire season. Um, And then after the COVID stoppage, you know, the next year, he had some well-documented personal struggles he had to deal with. He took some time off to seek some mental health counseling. Um, He played overseas for a little bit, kind of came back in Milwaukee. Um, You know, obviously the Admirals didn't play last year, so he was kind of sharing time in Chicago. There was a lot going on there. Uh, You kind of got the sense that the plan was for him to be the Predators main backup this season, this past season. Um, But clearly David Poyle and and John Hines didn't want to rush him in. So he, you know, they signed David Riddick to give Connor Ingram another year in the minors. And it definitely paid off because he has kind of refound the form he had before the COVID stoppage, another phenomenal year in Milwaukee you ask a couple of our prospect gurus, they'll say uh, he was maybe the main reason the Admirals made it as far in the playoffs as they did this year. Um, but, yeah, he, he's been on Preds fans' radars for a long time. Preds see him as a kind of a big a forward-moving prospect. Um, and I would expect fans to see a lot more of him next year because I think you're probably going to see him as UC Saros' backup full-time.
0: Now, obviously, going into the series, not having Soros in the net is a huge obstacle to overcome. But what were some of the other things that led to the, uh, the Predators being the team that, that was bounced from that first round series?
1: Well, they just kind of gave up the way they had been playing all season long. You know, if you talk to Nashville fans here, they talk about team identity. You know, the the way they love to play, which is like the physical, you know, fast-moving, kind of in-your-face, all-four-lines kind of style of play. Very suffocating on defense. And as the season went on, the last couple months of the season, you kind of saw – holes pop up into the Predators game a little bit you know they were winning games in December and January by you know holding the other team to like 22-23 shots a game uh, putting a lot of pressure at the, throughout the night then you saw kind of games later in the year where they would survive you know they would give up 40 to 45 shots a game but somehow eke out a win uh, they would kind of play bad And, you know, those kind of spots, those little spotty performances became more frequent. And by the end of the season, really entering that Colorado series, that was just sort of the cherry on top of the dumpster fire that was the Predators last two months of the season. They were just a shell of their former selves. You know, they lost a lot of the mojo, a lot of the characteristics that made them one of the best teams at the halfway point of this season and uh yeah there's probably a little bit of blame for everybody involved to go around to that you can blame the players for you know not really staying focused long term you can blame the coaching staff a little bit for maybe not pinpointing and fixing those mistakes you can also maybe pinpoint some blame on the front office for not going out and being aggressive at the trade line and getting this core more help right now um, so it was just kind of a perfect storm of dumbness <laughs> that sort of sank the Nashville Predators dead in the water.
0: Uh, perfect storm of dumbness, I think, is the perfect way to describe, I think, the single biggest thing that sunk the Wilds, which was yeah. special teams, power play and penalty kill, looking like they didn't know what you're supposed to do on a power play or a penalty kill. And you know, we've talked at length since the uh, the playoffs finished, since round one finished, that you know those were two weaknesses that you can't really have uh, if you're a team that's expecting to go places once the postseason starts. So I'm going to probably borrow that one, but um, you know that I think that's a common refrain for both of these teams is just got to the postseason after a very successful regular season, and there just were a lot of players that didn't really bring that same level of play that they had in the regular season to the postseason.
1: Now we talk about when we think about the Minnesota wild and how good they've done this year, everybody thinks of Caprizov uh, who is a phenomenal young player. I think you guys got a franchise cornerstone uh, that you can have for years to come. Um, one that doesn't cost you like, 80 million dollars a year like the last two franchise cornerstones you got in free agency where um did it feel like there was enough depth behind him to do damage this year or was this really a case of kaprizov is carrying this team to record heights but maybe they don't have the depth to compete in the playoffs
0: so that's That's a really interesting wrinkle that we're starting to kind of get into in evaluating how the season went for uh, for the Wilds. They scoring wise, they had a lot of players who achieved career highs. Ryan Hartman, thirty four goals. His previous career high was nineteen. You know, you got Marcus Foligno, who was like an eleven or twelve goal a season player, and he ended up with twenty three. So, a lot of these guys kind of had these above normal scoring seasons to propel this offense and the wonder was if some of that was going to kind of even out and it just it seemed like as the season wore on that uh, that a lot of that scoring the other shoe dropped and other than say Kevin Fiala and Matt Boldy you know you didn't have guys who were like reliable scorers for this team. And with that line being basically shut down by the St. Louis Blues, like there just was nobody else that really stepped up to to fill the void. And so I think that's gonna be something that as we see young players come onto this roster, which we'll talk about with, with some of the offseason objectives. Once we see some of those young players who are more like natural scorers, uh, I think that's going to help the depth overall. But you had the two lines, the Kaprizov line, the Fiala line, who were scoring lines. You had the Jewel Eriksson-Eck line, who was more of a defense-oriented line that could score, but it wasn't necessarily their main focus. And then the fourth line was kind of a bruiser line, who was more built on physicality than they were on scoring as well. And St. Louis just had four lines that were built on scoring and doing all the other things too. So ultimately, I think that was part of what kind of led to losing in six was just that, that um you take away one of those scoring lines and it just it completely changed the complexity of this team because – there were two lines already whose scoring wasn't their primary focus. And it just it became too much for Kirill Kaprizov, despite his best efforts, just became too much for him to, to try to overcome. And that's why we're here right now. And, you know, locked on Avs, locked on Blues, locked on Oilers, locked on Flames. That's why they're all gearing up for the next game in their series. Um, it, it does... Give us plenty of time, though, to really identify the offseason objectives for both teams. And so, you know, I think we've got some, some fascinating things to look at, uh, which we will do next uh, here on our crossover episode of Locked on Wilds and Locked on Panthers. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I mean, let's be honest, who really knows? And why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have, access to com- you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend between 30 and 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And RockAuto.com's prices are reliably low for every customer. So head to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, all at rockauto.com. Continuing today's special crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Predators, and as mentioned, for your second listen of the day, uh, make sure to check out those shows of teams still alive in the Western Conference playoffs. Locked on Avalanche, Locked on Blues, Locked on Flames, Locked on Oilers. Uh, Some incredible series between those two teams, Battle of Alberta has been insane. And so make sure to get the best intel on those two teams from the best insiders for the NHL. Locked on Flames, locked on Oilers, locked on Avs, locked on Blues are all available wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Nick, let's look at some off-season topics for both of these teams. I want to start from the Predators' angle um, did have a chance to see a little bit of the comments from Predators' upper management after the season, and it did It did sound like there are going to be some changes for this Predators team coming. So what do you see being – is there going to be a big roster shakeup for the Predators, or is it an, is it a situation where there may be a little bit of a scale back while keeping the parts of the team that work the best intact?
1: Well, they can't really afford to kind of go into this offseason haphazardly. They've done that, you know, the past couple of trade deadlines. They've done that the past couple offseasons. David Poyle now infamously sort of said before last season, this is going to be a competitive rebuild where he was going to kind of, you know, have some people still on hand, try to go for it. But you know kind of bring in younger people try to retool this roster a little bit uh he can't really do that anymore he has got to pick a line or like pick a side of a line is he going to tear this down and rebuild which he says he's absolutely not going to do nor should he to be honest uh because you've had a team that has made um all but three playoffs since 2004 so why would you and then you know on the other hand do you go all in do you look at the season Roman Yossi had do you look at Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne and say these are 240 goal scores and do you look at UC Saros, who is a Vesna caliber goaltender should have been nominated last year that's a different topic Do you look at all them and say, okay, there are clearly pieces here. We need to go all in and build around these pieces. That seems to be sort of what Poyle is hinting at here. Now, I don't know if it was just fan service, but he mentioned he made a point to mention that he can spend up to the cap this offseason. Um, he said that management says it's okay. He said he didn't do that the past couple of years because he didn't feel like he had the roster. He said now he kind of feels like he may be able to do that. Um, he has mentioned that he is going to swing big for the fences no matter whether Philip Forsberg comes back. That's kind of offseason news number one in nashville is philip forsberg going to come back forsberg seems like he wants to come back david poyle clearly wants forsberg back it's just a matter of money um which is kind of an interesting thing when you think back to the uh, the ryan Souter fiasco which was 10 years ago this summer there was more happening there than just how much do you want to pay do you want to come back with forsberg it really does seem as simple as do you want to be back? Yes, we do. Okay. Now what's the contract? How much are we going to pay you? That seems to be the main issue there right now, but either way, I don't anticipate the predators sort of being a passive player. I would expect them to be in the mix for a couple of big names um, or you know, if, if they strike out on one of the big prizes, if for some reason they don't bring Forsberg back, if they don't have Johnny Gaudreau as a plan B or something like that, they're still going to be active, and I think there's still going to be a team that brings in multiple pieces. So I think this will be not necessarily a new-look team next year, but a team with a lot more firepower than they had going into this season. Well, and there
0: there are going to be – opportunities I feel like this offseason of teams who just have a roster that, that really has has peaked, has reached like it's the, the highest level that they can that are gonna jettison pieces. And you know the the Wild are obviously in a situation with Kevin Fiala being anticipated to be dealt um, I I struggle with the wording of that because you know it, it seems like it's it's pretty well written in ink how it's going to happen, but you got to leave the opportunity for something else entirely to happen. But there there are going to be other teams in both conferences who kind of look at where they're at and they say, you know what, I don't know if we can do much more with this group that we have. And so as you mentioned, even having those those top level guys as the objectives in the off season. If you miss out on those, there is potential to be creative uh, to try to swing deals other ways that can lead to you getting, you know, some of the same things that you're looking for.
1: And what's the move for the wild? Because you bring up an interesting point that you guys have this great core, like this great core that you finally put together. You guys finally got an exciting team and then Boom. It just seems like next year that the cap monster just came out of nowhere. So, you know, is there something creative that you guys can do that maybe doesn't involve you having to cut either a Kevin Fiala loose or Matthew Dumbo loose? You know, is there some creativity to be had there that maybe you pull out a surprise and you're able to keep some of these, you know, exciting players together for a little bit longer?
0: Well, it's it's going to take something like that to make it happen. And, you know, I just I hadn't even thought of this, but interesting to know that, you know, Ryan Suter being now a former Predator and former member of the Minnesota Wild has now another coach that has been let go in his wake with Rick Bonus being uh being shown the door and so wherever Suter goes, it seems like uh it seems like things change after he's there and after he leaves. I, Did I you
1: hear the the Jason Arnett podcast about him? How about yep. like did, did you get that same sort of sense in Minnesota? Was there a little bit more drama behind the scenes?
0: Yeah, I'm not privy to like everything that happened, but it, it has been pretty well circulated that he wasn't a super great teammate and that, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you hear with the the locker room chemistry that this team has now because they feel like everybody in that locker room has equal footing. I don't think those word choices or or those comments coming out, I don't think that's a coincidence. And you know, you, you hear some of the things from his former teammates like where there's smoke, there's fire.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, but at least hey, now we have somebody else. This is this is me shaking across the screen here. <laughs> we have somebody else to share the Ryan Suter hatred fan club with. So welcome aboard, yeah. Seth and Minnesota Wild fans.
0: Happy happy to be here. Um, in terms of the right move, you know, I I've been pretty adamant that if you're looking at building this core going forward, it's Kirill Kaprizov, obviously. You know, Matt Boldy, as a 20-year-old, looked really, really good. And so he's obviously in that core group as well. You got some of the prospects. You got Marco Rossi. I'd put Jesper Wallstead, our phenom goalie prospect, in that mix as well. I am ready myself to put Kevin Fiala in that grouping. And so it's unfortunate that it's at the situation, and this is largely due to the contracts that Parisian and Suter signed, um. It it is being kind of looked at as you really only have option A, keep Kevin Fiala, or option B, keep Matt Dumba. Like it's it's been it's been worked into either or. But I even now, even after hearing some of the comments Bill Guerin has had as to where this process seems to be going, I still in the back of my head am like, you know. If anybody has a different way to do this, it's gonna be Bill Guerin. And I just I just don't get the sense, like, in my head, it seems like it's gonna be really difficult to replace a 30 goal, 85 point scorer who is turning twenty-five and is headed into the prime of his career. Like, you don't just you don't just stumble into those guys. And If I, as somebody that covers this team, can rationalize that in my head, I would assume that a general manager either has already or has a different way at looking at this entire scenario that not anybody else but him has come up with. And so it's not going to surprise me at all if all of a sudden we get to draft night or sometime before and a trade gets announced, and the Minnesota Wild have traded into the top ten for a pick. And the name gets announced as to who's being traded, and everybody is like, "Like, why is it not? It's not Kevin Fiala. Who is it?" So, if anybody, if anybody has come up with a different way to make this all work that is not being widely reported, it's Bill Guerin.
1: You can also just go the Tampa Bay or Vegas route and just hope one of your highly paid depth players has some mystery long-term injured reserve quality injury.
0: Well, and, and looking at it too, like Ottawa, there was a report today that the Senators are willing to move the seventh overall pick in the draft. Very specifically worded in that is that they are seeking a top four defenseman in return. What is Matt Dumba for the Minnesota Wilds? A
1: top top four four defenseman.
0: Also, you look at any of those other top four guys that the Minnesota Wild have, I would say Jonas Brodine is probably probably off limits. Jared Spurgeon's another name. There have been a lot of people in the Wilds fan sphere that have pointed that uh, as a potential. So that's obviously super, super hot takey, but you know, that's the kind of things is like a GM is looking at that and saying, would that be a route we go?
1: And it's interesting that you say that and you bring up trade specifically because the Nashville predators are a team that can take advantage of some of these teams that are having to sell off players. You know, David Poyle mentioned that whether Forsberg comes back or not, he's got, you know, some plan A's, plan B's, plan C's in place for how he wants to refresh this roster. And look, if the Predators are dead set on refreshing this roster and still remaining competitive, then they may be in the mix for, hey, if Kevin Fiala's up on the block, he's familiar with this organization, Maybe there is sort of a two-way thing that works out with the Minnesota Wild. We know Preds and Wild like making trades or swapping players, so we know that. And I also expect the Preds to maybe kick the tires on some other players around the league. You know, look, we have seen David Boyle is not afraid to pull the trigger on a big out-of-nowhere kind of trade. I mean, we have seen it. Uh, with the trade we're going to talk about here in a little bit. We've seen it with PK Subban for Shea Weber. We've seen it, you know, for Patrick Hornquist, for James Neal, these sort of trades that, you know, seem like they just came out of nowhere. So would the Predators maybe be a trade partner with the Wild if Kevin Fiala is one of the people you're putting out there? Could they, you know, sort of bring the band back together? Maybe him and Mikhail Granlin on the same line to oh, kind boy. of tie this all together? <laughs> um, would they go out? Maybe kick the tires on somebody like JT Miller? Do they have enough that Vancouver would maybe be interested in? Do they go to a team like, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights who clearly have some cap issues and maybe say, you know what, William Carlson, maybe a good middle six player we're interested in. We have the cap space. Let's talk, Um, you know, somebody like that. So the Preds, I think when you talk about some of these teams like the Wild having cap issues, maybe being forced to make a move this summer, or just a team that's maybe to look to refresh their core, the predators keep that team in mind because that may we may be a trade partner for you guys.
0: Yeah, it's it's like when it's like when the garage sale season comes about and you may not necessarily have anything that you're looking to put up for sale, but just for the sake of everybody else having a garage sale. You're like well, maybe it's time to uh, maybe it's time to take a peek. So, boy, that's um that was not an angle that I had anticipated. But Kevin Fiala being on the same line as Mikhail Granlin in a trade is that'd be quite the full circle picture. So
1: that would shut up our Twitter comments <laughs> so fast.
0: I I don't know what I would do if that happened, but um, I, it's safe to say that that is a trade that has you know. It seems like one that has certainly it has certainly led to some interesting things for both teams. And so to finish up today's crossover, let's talk Kevin Fiala for Mikhail Granlin. We will do that after this. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Predators. Seth Topol joined by Nick Morgan of Locked on Preds. And uh, yeah, the big trade that these two teams had a few years ago, Shout-out to Paul Fenton for being the, uh, the one to pull the trigger on that trade. Uh, Kevin Fiala for Mikhail Granlund. And Granlund was a player here in Minnesota that was a, a nice player for the team. And uh, it just never seemed like he – I don't know. I think fans wanted him to do a little more um, than he did – and always was kind of saddled with the the first-round playoff losses. It's A team is like a fringe playoff team, and they get to the playoffs, they get bounced, there's frustrations, and you're like, well, if such-and-such such player would have done better. And so I think some of that first-round losing kind of hung over Granlins. And so then you trade to Nashville for a young up-and-comer in Kevin Fiala, and... It kind of seems like Fiala is in a similar spot, although Fiala, I think, has has blossomed into a, a very legitimate goal scorer um, since he came to Minnesota.
1: Sure. And, you know, you, you talk about Granlund, you know, kind of before this trade, who he was for the Wild. You could kind of say the same thing about Fiala on the Predators, He was on the Predators' second line for two years. Uh, They clearly were trying to get him going, but for whatever reason, he just didn't click early on and I'm sure a lot of that may be due to the fact that he was just kind of a young player still finding his footing and uh, Peter Laviolette sort of ran a unforgiving system there was some other stuff going on there but for some whatever reason it just didn't click and he didn't really look like he was becoming the player the Predators expected him to become. Um, and then, you know, so at the time, you know, we Fiala was a fan favorite. A lot of people in Nashville really liked him. A lot of had high hopes for him, but they were excited to bring in a player like Mikhail Granlin, who had, you know, a, you know, I think it was like a 70 point season, uh, the year before the trade, um, who kind of had a habit of putting up some big numbers for the Minnesota wild was, you know, well-respected as a playmaker Uh, So I thought a lot of people kind of saw that as, you know what, Fiala might be a good player someday, but Granlin is a good player right now. And then it just took a really long time for him to kind of find his footing in Nashville. And I think that's where from the Preds fans perspective, they may have soured a, a little bit on this trade at first. You know, I think they were expecting Grandland to come in and sort of be, you know, this, you know, dynamic playmaker that unlocks everybody's full potential. And it really wasn't until Peter LaViolette got fired and John Hines came in that you saw Grandland kind of being like, okay, I think he's starting to work into this system a little bit. And it's funny because you look at the way Mikhail Grandlin plays now, his style of play and how he's being used, it is nowhere close to how he was being used in Minnesota. I mean, he's, you know, he's – A really good like two-way defensive center Mm -hmm. he's kind of you know the first guy that's out there on the penalty kill you know he's this kind of swiss army knife player you know he has kind of unlocked a completely new level to his game so i think part of the reason preds fans are a little upset is that he isn't the 80 point score that we thought we were getting when the trade happened but he has still become a very important player for the nashville predators
0: yeah, and it goes to like always with these types of trades, a couple of years after they happen, you know, I think the natural response is to look at like, well what if we what if we did the same trade now for like just reversed it and you know the Wild had Granlin in the mix and the Preds had Fiala in the mix and you know it's it's interesting because we're at the point where it seems like Fiala is going to get traded. And so then we'll take that and look at that trade. If that is how things go. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's fascinating because the wild have had plenty of these trades that haven't worked out necessarily for them. Nino Niederreiter for Victor Rask, that one. Yeah, not great. Um, The all in deadline acquisition of Martin Hansel that worked out great. Um, any number of of examples that have not, but then, you know, like the Devin Dubnik trade from a few years ago, that worked out well at the beginning. Um, even this past year, Marc-Andre Fleury being traded for, Nick Delorier, Jacob Middleton, all those guys, and, you know, we, we s- still ended up seeing a first-round exit. So, trades, trades can h- go any number of ways. And, you know, it's just, it's fascinating to see a few years later, like how things end up playing out, especially in this case.
1: Yeah. And it's going to be a matter of perspective, no matter what, no matter which way you look at it. Um, you know, if let's say you trade a key player, you know, let's say you you're a team that's close to a cup. You bring in a big name player for a prospect, the you know the the immediate player helps you win a stanley cup and then you know winds up signing somewhere else meanwhile that prospect you traded is a perennial all-star every year but you know the team he's on isn't closer to a cup a lot of people would you know do you say that was a successful trade because the player you brought in helped you get that cup even though they were only there for a couple of months Or do you look at that and say, this is a disaster because look, the the young prospect we traded is is scoring 30 goals for his new team, even though they're kind of treading water there. And whoever you ask is going to have a different answer to that. It's just a matter of perspective. And so it depends on what perspective you look at this Fiala-Granlin trade for. It's like, do you look at this? is grandland what you expected to get if you're a predators fan is fiala what you expected to get when you're a wild fan in that case then this is a really good one for one trade if you're if they're not meeting your expectations so far or i don't know from your end if the wild having have to wind up trading uh fiala for cap reasons maybe they see that as you know a bad move
0: yeah, it's it, it it's gonna depend. You know, then you have the you have the byproduct. If Fial is traded, then he'll be compared. The Grandland trade will then be compared to what we get back in return for him, and so you got like all these onion layers. But at the end of the day, I think it's as it was described uh, as it, when it happened: a good old fashioned hockey trade that uh, I think worked out for uh for both teams and beyond this season what it leads to is uh is really anybody's guess and i think that's where we're going to leave it here for today we'll uh, we'll do another crossover as we get further into the off season um as lockdown wild does the uh, 31 teams in 31 days going to make that happen this year so uh we'll we'll definitely do this later on in the off season but thank you for tuning in to our crossover episode of lockdown wild and lockdown predators And make sure to follow both teams all off-season long with new content coming every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.